Stephen Johnson is the managing director of Random House Drake, based in Cape Town, South Africa. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Thank you. The merger. There's been a big merger here between Strake, which is... Well, perhaps you could uh, just enlighten us what, as to what, what happened. What the two parts are. Yeah. Well, let's start with the local bit, which is the Strake bit. It was established, Strake Publishers was, 47 years ago in South Africa. And quite quickly rose to become the leading publisher of illustrated, large format illustrated books with an emphasis on quality and innovation, particularly in the area of natural history, trying to make the extraordinary richness of the country in both flora and fauna uh, accessible to to interested readers across the land and and abroad, in fact. Mm -hmm. So photography Um, and Photography, um, yeah, predominantly photographic, large format photographic, uh, I suppose loosely called coffee table books, but... They're a lot more than that because, again, on the natural history side, there was some seriously scientific for every man, if you like, uh, field guides and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's such a huge range of flora and fauna. Well, here. interestingly, in, in, in Cape Town itself, it is the tiniest floral kingdom in the world, but it has the largest number of species, which um, is just very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, bird, mammal, insect life uh, is is similarly rich. Uh, it it was a it was a Dutch bookseller, in fact, who came to the country, and this was fairly common practice in the late nineteenth, early twentieth, right up to the mid twentieth century, even where people from Europe who were trained in the publishing and bookselling arena were brought into this country to fill what essentially was a skills and knowledge gap. And Cornelius Stroke, as he was, uh, came out for that very purpose. And when there was some cutting back in the bookselling area in which he was, he was active at the time, which was general bookselling with a focus on books of the country, otherwise known as Africana, he decided to set up his own publishing venture and left that business and began Stroke Publishing. It grew to become the most significant publisher of its kind in the country with areas of specialisation in natural history, travel and heritage and lifestyle predominantly. And then about 12 or so years ago, it began what they called a black-and-white imprint, Zebra Press, to do text, mainly books, um, narratives, books on politics, humour. From that developed a list called Oshin Books, which concentrates on predominantly subjects of interest to women. In around December of, of 2007... Uh, Random House, which was established here 40 years, 41 years ago, as a subsidiary of Random House in the United Kingdom. It it had established, Random House had, three years prior to that, to celebrate its 40th anniversary, in fact, a general book imprint of its own called Umuzi, which, in the local vernacular, several of them, implies half the place where your heart is um, rather than the home you live in began to realise that the the attraction of a marriage if you like between itself as 
an enormously significant international publishing company, that it needed to significantly increase its involvement with publishing from the country it was operating in so successfully. Talks began and with competition commission approval that seemed to drag on for months and months, the merger in fact was approved and occurred in August of 2008. And, and Stroik has got 50.1%. Stroik has 50.1%. Just because of Well, you need management control somewhere. It's the old story, no person can serve two masters. Mm. Point one of 1%, but yeah. it, is, does that then therefore make it majority local owned? Or yes, indeed it is now majority local owned. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see through that split in shareholding that the intention behind it always was to make it as close to a 50-50% and a true partnership yeah. uh, as, as was possible. Okay. But then you know, local conditions, the tyranny of distance, it just seemed to make enormous sense to leave management control um, in, in the country where we are operating. And when the talks began, it seemed sensible for me to come down and get to learn the strike business as as quickly as I could. And sort of leap of faith thing happened where I transferred from Johannesburg to Cape Town, where I grew up. So that was no punishment. Much, much prettier. Well, well, it's a very beautiful place. Uh, Altogether magical. Frankly, some say absurdly beautiful, because it is in many parts, just extraordinary. Oh, it, yeah, breathtaking. Um, so, so coming home after, after um, a refugee status in Gauteng for close on 30 years was a very happy thing. Now, I guess the, the decision was taken then because, as opposed to competing, and both of you making less profit... The two of you got, by, by getting together, you're, both companies are going to benefit by greater profit, by uh, yeah, maximizing revenue uh, income. Efficiencies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Most attractive, though, of all considerations is that it brings into this one business now the very best of the international imprints from abroad and yeah. the very best of what was being published locally. And okay. the fit is therefore perfect. It's a monopoly now, though, isn't it? I don't... I think not. The vigorous activities of companies here, such as Penguin, who also have a significant and impressive local uh, list. Mm. Um, Pan Macmillan, the same thing applies. Mm. Um, but what percentage of the business do you have versus them? I reckon we're probably... Depends upon how you slice it, but we're probably number two in the league table simply because there's one other ahead of us, a company called Jonathan Ball, oh, yes. which yes. happens to have contracted on an agency basis 30 or more mm. imprints from abroad, such uh, it's all the Hachette companies, Orion, mm. Bloomsbury, and they import all of yes. those in, into the country. They do have also themselves a fairly substantial local publishing component. Okay. Now, the number of imprints they represent on an agency basis puts them ahead of us. As far as revenues go? They're probably around five, perhaps six million rand a year ahead Ahead of, uh, ahead of us. I'd like to bring the conversation around to what's happening right now in the, right. In the election. And very specifically, there's a, there's a cartoonist, Zapiro. Yeah, Jonathan Shapiro. Sh- yeah, known Shapiro. as Zapiro. Zapiro. Yeah. Right. And in fact, last night there was supposed to be a television program on dealing with the cartoons that he's, he's portrayed Zuma, the yeah. next president of the country, with yeah. a shower head. And basically, 
the reason that the television... Is, was it the largest television station in the country? No, the intriguing thing, Nigel, about that is not only the largest, but in fact it is the national broadcaster, which is 100% state-owned. Mm. And ah, yeah. there's the rub, as far as I'm concerned, and I think many concerned people of progressive bent in the country are frankly horrified to see the extent to which, in the very dark days of apartheid, that broadcaster was manipulated in ridiculous ways to ensure that it was the powerful propaganda machine for for the nationalist regime. Well, exclusively white, but predominantly Afrikaans uh, power brokers at the time. Mm. The alacrity uh, with which Uh, our new leaders under democratic dispensation have jumped into that vacuum is deeply embarrassing and profoundly worrying. But let's look at very specifically what happened. They were going to show this uh, this program. It was on satire and Shapiro was, or Zapiro. Yeah, he's shown Zuma as as basically uh, raping justice. Well, his weaknesses were were rather graphically shown up and in a way that, that truly upset the powers that be. Because and as for all good satirists, it was sharp and incisive and uh, completely on the mark. What's happening, though, is that Zuma is suing everyone. Yeah, and including my que- the Guardian in London. Yes, and my question then is, as a publisher, a big publisher in South Africa, how does that affect your decision to publish controversial political books? Not at all. It doesn't affect us in the least because, thank goodness, despite the warts, Our constitution remains one of the most progressive in the world. The freedom of speech is a fundamental tenet of that constitution. And railings and and rantings against people who happen to show one up for what might be amiss in your character are not going to change that reality whatsoever. During apartheid, the censorship rules were, frankly, bizarre and draconian in the extreme. We had... Anna Sewell's Black Beauty banned because somebody assumed that it had something to do with the elevation of African gorgeousness, for heaven's sake. Nothing that might happen, or very little that might happen subsequent to all of that, I think is going to negatively affect any publisher's decision to proceed with that which they think is important to produce. The, the power, that, the political power that, that a company like yours has is very significant because yep. you can choose... And we, we talked about this last night briefly with uh, Andre Brink yes. coming out with his memoir, timing it so that it came out during the election. Your decision to publish and the timing of it is as powerful a political statement as can be made. I just wonder, I suppose controversy is in your best interest because it'll move product and increase your profits, which is ultimately what you're Inevitably, about. Inevitably, that's true, yes. One, I hope, is guided by more lofty ideals, but certainly that is fundamental to our raison d'etre. It's why we're here. Mm. And profit isn't a four-letter word uh, in our vocabulary. And yes, you're quite right. The the power to influence as publishers is, is very real. And if the organs of state, such as the SABC, in fact is, choose... Sorry, that's the South, the South African, African Broadcasting Corporation. I'm sorry which is 100% owned by government, its board is appointed by government, um, and frankly, it's enormous financial disarray. It is effectively bankrupt at, moment, at the moment, and that too is the fault of government. The more 
I suspect they attempt to silence and take away that which the people of the land should have free access to hearing and seeing, the greater the, greater the gap, I think, for, 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 for publishers to go ahead and, and distribute, spread abroad, uh, that which, by their lights, should be spread abroad. It's a very political position that you're in. Yes and no. I would like to think that our impulses are not primarily political. But it would be foolish to suggest that we would conduct our business ignorant of the political undertoes and clouds in the air all about Mm. us all the time. This has always been placed on the southern tip, a highly politicised country. On Um, the flip side, though, you don't want to piss off the government, do you? No, indeed not. And I have a very real concern. Uh, It is deeply ironic to my way of thinking that in the history of this country we now have more highly educated, in the broadest sense of that word, a parliament in power than has ever been the case in the past, more representative, more women, simply because we're no longer just a single white minority racist regime. These people, many of them, have had significant benefits of education in institutions of higher learning right across the world from you know, Vancouver to Moscow and everything in between, you name it. Yet less money is being voted to be spent on library books than has ever been the case ever before. Now, I don't get that. I cannot understand. So, yes, the need for government, and no, we do not want to piss them off, because for heaven's sake, guys, if you want an informed, thoughtful populace running this place, in ten years on when the democracy has matured just a little bit more. Surely the more you invest in learning and books and knowledge and information is a better investment than any other you can think of, or at least I can think of. I I can't think of anything that's more significant, frankly. And yet the promise that Mandela and uh, uh, the new regime held, this promise has been shattered by the corruption of politicians that are in power right now. It has been significantly frittered away, and the euphoric uh, sense of of well-being and achievement that was so universal in the land, throughout the land... And to be proud of. The world uh, was looking at you as a model. Um, The fact that that is being as wasted uh, as what it is at the moment Mm. is, is, uh, is a great shame. I do, however, think uh, that there are enough people of goodwill still in power who, who can change this over time. I think the young people who are entering, many of the young people who are now able to enter as informed, properly educated citizens, um, these, these passages of power will over time make a meaningful difference and reverse. Perhaps what one is experiencing now is an unseemly pendulum swing mm. in reaction to the horrors that were. And at specific individuals too. Basic, if you if you get the right person in power, it's yeah, or the right collection of mm-hmm. people. I don't know that democracy is something that simply occurs and everybody knows what the rules are and how to play the game. Um, the minute it happens, they all know what the color of money is, though. Precisely, yeah. precisely, and ah, you know that's that's the great tragedy, and I think that's the enormous sadness of what we're experiencing at the moment, coupled with the fact 
that this breathtaking divide between the rich and the poor mm. is still as much a reality of our existence as South Africans as ever it was. As a foreigner coming in, thinking and, and assuming that apartheid was no longer in effect, go to the airport, they're all white. You go to the function last night, they're all white. And, and that leads to my, my next and closing question. In the last couple of years, the publishing industry has enjoyed considerable success, as I understand Indeed. it. One, one reason for that is that there's a whole new curriculum in the schools, and so the educational publishing sector has, has been tasked with publishing all sorts of new books. But what explains this? If it's not you know, a whole new generation of educated black readers that are now coming... Because I don't see that. No, they're not here. Yeah, yeah. If white people are leaving the country, as I hear from South mm-hmm. Africans in Canada, they mm-hmm. talk about the yeah. exodus... Yeah. What is it? Do you know, it's it's very hard to pinpoint, and like most things in South Africa, I don't think there's a simple answer. The investment in spending on school books was a natural thing to have occurred um, 15 years ago when democracy happened, bearing in mind that um, under apartheid, only white people were expected to have those compulsory first few years of primary education mm-hmm. and the investment discrepancy between what was spent on an African child and on a white child was absolutely enormous. Yeah. All of that was done away with. So yes, there was an extraordinary rise in expenditure on scholastic work for, for all of the people of the country, all of the children of the country. I don't think that what we're seeing is the effect of that expenditure yet. It's way too soon to to be that in the first place. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the falling about somewhat that has occurred in about what is the best educational model that has happened over the past 15 years has also not helped to produce any coherent result in that regard. I believe the biggest contributor to the flourishing of the general book industry, if you may talk about that for the moment, as opposed to scholastic or, or tertiary texts, well, and here versus the rest of the world, which is yeah. not... Perhaps something of a shrinkage going on, yeah. is simply because of freedom. Quite simply, people were allowed to write what they like. Hmm. The stories have become unshackled from the horrors of oppression that was so all-pervasive throughout the society. And many of the people to whom you have spoken, I'm sure, would have told you of this writing in opposition to what was. Mm. So there was a straight coat of only being able to express creatively something that you were against or, or, or posit ideas that were against uh, uh, an inherent evil in the society. With democracy, that fell away and there was a tale that existed for quite a while which, if you like, for want of a better term, was was writing of the struggle, the stories that for the first time could be told of people who were regarded by many in the world as terrorists and became, in in that euphoria, truly the thing they, they indeed were, and that freedom fighters. But then to the tainting of those freedom fighters, that many of them too were guilty of dreadful atrocities in their training camps. And this country went through that altogether amazing catharsis of what we call the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, 
And there'll be some interesting novels written about that. Completely seminal events in mm. the history of this nation. Although there are some writers that, that dismiss it as bullshit. Well, yes, as as there always will be inevitably. The skeptics among us would. I mean, there were people who who would go ballistic because because Desmond Tutu dared commence these proceedings very often with a prayer, for goodness sake. They blamed um, someone who goes forth pronouncing himself to be a man of God. <laughs> they said he was he had no right to speak to his God. That's all nonsense. It, it was a fundamental event in our becoming. Once that had happened and being processed and I'm not saying it was a faultless exercise by any stretch of the imagination mm. it was however a profound one and one that the world again fails indeed Ireland I think has benefited from people who were involved as have many countries in South America and elsewhere in the globe then people became freed up and began telling the very rich and wonderful stories that, that there are in this place but people meaning black people I mean, many, many, there have been many black writers who have come to the fore right. that are voices telling stories that the pink skins, or so-called whites, because we're not white, are we? I mean, no. We're pink, ultimately. Um, grimy. Grimy, exactly. That were new and wonderful and rich because we'd not heard of them. Tales from the Township, we've been privileged to publish one or two of them ourselves. And an openness and a willingness to laugh at ourselves. And Jacob Zuma's shower head, um, and you, know, you can tell your listeners from whence that comes at some other time, I suppose. Well, but no, maybe we should say it. it basically yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a shower head. It's uh, the future president, perhaps, of this country, in all likelihood, depicted with a, with a shower head coming from out of his skull. And it was because he was caught in a compromising situation, shall we say, with a young woman known to him and a friend of his family who was HIV positive. And, and he knew he that. he knew that, and he went into the courtroom when this case came to trial and said that after copulation he had gone to have a shower to reduce um, the infection chances of, of AIDS. And ever since then, the wonderful Jonathan Sabira has depicted him with a, with a shower head coming from out of his... And Zuma, of course, has denied that. And what he yeah, but, but the point is, is the judgment that him having unprotected sex with someone who had HIV, yeah. someone doing that, you question their judgment exactly. as being capable exactly. to be the president of a country. Precisely, right. precisely. And that's the shy head I think will be ever with us yeah. uh, in, in relation to, to Jacob Zuma. But he, and he's, he's suing not enjoying he's, he's suing, suing. He's, Of course yeah. he's suing. Um, yeah. You know, me thinks he does protest too much. Yeah. We're still learning how it's all done and, how, and what matters. Just in closing, uh, there's a book called Spud that's yes. hugely successful Wonderful. here. Wonderful. It's a South African uh, writer who he's sold several hundred thousand yeah. copies. John Thunderweight is his name. Quite frankly, it's about life in a boarding school hostel. It's all the scatological stuff that, you know, uh, one <laughs> had, had in the air for, for centuries. And uh, teenage boys with pimples masturbating in the night under the covers. It's... Uh, Somehow or other, it struck a chord right across the board, young and old, uh, regardless of, of background and race or anything like that. And jolly good thing it is too, because it just shows that, you know, if it, if it amuses, it amuses regardless of uh, where one comes from or what you are. Finally, where do you want to take this company? I have Pollyanna-type visions of Random House Strike making a very real 
contribution in commercial terms, but also in aesthetic and cultural terms, in this becoming South Africa. And I would like to see that being as inclusive as possible, whether it is the most beautifully produced book on insects with text in six languages to lure very little children into the world of natural history, or whether it is something that ponders the complexities of this wonderfully mad political environment we find ourselves in, or indeed how just to be a richer, better person, richer in the philosophical sense of that word, um, in this place that is so fraught with so much but also gloriously blessed with so much. If we can achieve that just in a small thimbleful of a way, I'd, I'd be delighted. Uh, I and, and that is through this... Through, first of all, you have to sort of stimulate the audience for this kind indeed, of material. Indeed. It's what this merger has brought to us is this depth of publishing skill and experience and foresight and insight pooled now into one business, supported by sales and marketing people who are similarly passionate about getting it out there. Mm. And in its broadest sense to me, publishing means to spread abroad. And frankly, the wider we can go and the further we can reach and the more people we can hopefully attract to discover through that which we publish the thrill and joy and wonder of engagement with a printed page, well, the happier I'll be. What about literacy? Are you doing anything to stimulate help? We're not, because I think that's a very specialist and very different set of requirements um, that one needs. And we could not transform ourselves from being the type of publishers we, we are and from whence we come into a publishing company active and effective in the field of literacy training. Um, that, to my mind, must be left to the specialist in those fields. Thanks very much for your time. It's great pleasure.